We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Co-host TJ Inman will be along with us shortly. Uh, And we'll talk about Indiana's thrilling 44-41 double overtime win at West Lafayette to bring the bucket back to Bloomington. But first, a word from our sponsors over at MyBookie. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're over halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game at MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with my bookie. If you bet now, if you go to my bookie now, uh, the best part is if you join right now, my bookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put a thousand dollars in, they'll give you a thousand dollars. That's double your initial deposit. You can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code chair, C H A I R to activate this offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. Well, what an exciting weekend it was. I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. And We have TJ Inman joining us here shortly. Uh, Great rivalry week around college football. The coaching carousel is heating up as well. We saw great games in the Big Ten. Uh, a few upsets, a few nail biters, and a few blowouts. Uh, so we'll talk about all that, where IU might go bowling, uh, and much, much more. So, bucket week ended victoriously for Indiana. They ended up winning in double overtime 44 41. It was a game that featured a torrential downpour in the first half. Uh, some bitter cold in the second half, and some just vicious crosswinds that affected the kicking game in uh, for each side. So, you know, to me, a uh, the the game is you know, the, the game was it was a rivalry game. It's going to come down to you know, who, who's playing the best. And, uh, it, you know, everybody knew Purdue was going to give their their best shot as as well. And if you thought going up to West Lafayette to win was going to be easy, 
uh, especially against this team with Jeff Brom as coach, David Bell, and Bryson Hopkins. Uh, even with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, the guy, the kid has a strong arm, can can, can chuck the ball. Um, it, it was just a difficult day for uh, for Indiana, and it started out well. Indiana was up fourteen uh, nothing. There were a few plays, and we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, there were a few plays that went. Uh, went against the Hoosiers and kind of turned the game. Uh, TJ, welcome into the show. Has your heart rate come down from Saturday yet? <laughs> yeah, it uh, it took a while, but I, I, by, by the time I uh, went to bed on Saturday around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, whenever it was, um, I, I was feeling more of a, a normal uh, self, but it, it took a while for sure. That was um, – an intense, intense game, high stakes, um, you know, for both sides. I don't – we we say these things before games. We say, oh, throw out the records. They don't matter. We say those things. It's not true, of course. But uh, in a rivalry game like that, Indiana and Purdue, um, you know, it, it really almost doesn't matter what else has happened that season, at least in that moment. Um, you know, you, you – you kind of tend to uh, forget about those things in that moment, and it's just all about beating that other team. Um, and it was just such a roller coaster of a contest, uh, highs, lows, and then just uh, an ultimate feeling of elation as Indiana found a way uh, to come out on top in double overtime. Yeah, it was, you know, as you said, especially in the second half is punch, counter punch. Uh, and, you know, the, the first half was Indiana 121-10, second half Purdue 121-10, and then it was 13-10 in overtime, in, in two overtimes uh, there. You know, this rivalry, you know, it's starting to heat up on and off the field. You've now had, you yeah. Know, yeah, Indiana yeah. had their run of four where, they were clearly better than Purdue. Um, you know, then Purdue came back and won two, and now Indiana strikes back on, on the road and gets one. And you kind of saw it with, with Tywin Mullen and David Bell going at each other. And, yeah, David Bell had had a huge day. Tywin Mullen played as well as he possibly could on, on David Bell. But I think this rivalry is, is it's starting to heat up, and you might have another two, three, four years – um, this rivalry is going to be really good, and it's great for college football in the state of Indiana. I think it's great for both fan bases, uh, and credit to to the IU fans who traveled up to West Lafayette, sat in the freezing cold rain and the and the wind, and credit to the Purdue fans. Uh, they had, I think they they had fifty two thousand, um, fifty two fifty five thousand at the game actually. Um, was the announced attendance. It was very close to that, the actual people in the stands uh, when it was at its fullest. Uh, now, people didn't want to sit in the rain and, and left, but it was it was a good crowd. They were into it, uh, and it was, it was just – We I would say it would be different if IU lost, but that was a fun football game to watch. It, it, it had a little bit of everything. It had uh, defensive plays. It had a lot of offense. It had – you know, special teams miscues. Uh, it had a, a little bit of chippiness as well. Uh, so 
going back to the start of the game, PJ, Indiana got out to a 14 nothing lead. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Purdue, I thought, you know, I thought them kicking that field goal to make it 14-3 was kind of like, hey, we just need points on the board. But you get down there, you might need a touchdown. You know, Raheem Lane had just dropped the pick. Uh, it would have been a tough play, but, you know, that's a, that's a ball you got to come down with and settling for for three. And then, you know, Purdue's offense, that might have sparked Purdue's offense. Bryson Hopkins came alive. The next drive with with the 72 yard catch and run, uh, where uh, he just had inside leverage on on Cam Jones and beat him to the end zone, and and that's that's the reason I voted for Bryson Hopkins on my All America uh, ballot was because he's had two straight performances like that, uh, and mm-hmm. that's what he could do, and he and he's done it a lot, and, and that's why I put him up there. What was your what was your moment that kind of told you that, Hey, this, this game, you know, at 14, nothing, Hey, this game is going to be a little bit closer, closer than that. Well, uh, there were a couple of instances when it, it seemed like Indiana was kind of lining up a knockout punch, if you will. Uh, and they either failed to make a play or Purdue made a play to save that off. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think we all kind of felt this way, but we, you know, texted, in our group text, we, we kind of exchanged, you know, hey, look, this, uh, you know, this is going to be close at some point here. Um, it it did not, it, it felt early like a game that Indiana could run away with, but uh, once they, once IU missed a couple of chances, um, and, and you mentioned Raheem Lane failing to make that interception, which uh, credit to Jamar Johnson because on a similar play he did, uh, he made an interception in the end zone on Purdue's opening drive. Um, and I, I thought Jamar um, made another, you know, good play to to show his ability for the future. Um, but once Indiana failed to make those couple of plays to, to really put distance between themselves and Purdue, it felt like a game that was going to be tight. Um, and for me, the, the moment that that, I think really woke Purdue up, if you will, and, and let them know, hey, we're in this thing. I think it was that Bryson Hopkins play. Um, prior to that, they, they'd sort of moved the ball, but they had not uh, not really broken through for anything other than that field goal. The Bryson Hopkins play, I think, showed them uh, and their offense behind O'Connell that, you know, look, uh, we, can, we can do this. Uh, another play that really stood out to me as showing it was going to be a close game was uh, Xander Horvath's first run that he broke through, you know, busted through a tackle or two and had a nice long run, which is something Purdue hadn't had all season. I think that gave them a lot of confidence that, uh, you know, Saturday was going to be different for them than what they'd experienced so far that year. Um, on a, you know, it feels odd to have any complaints after finishing off an eight and four regular season and uh, winning the bucket in thrilling fashion. It, it, so I, I I don't want to uh, be negative in any sense here on this podcast, but uh, it was a disappointing performance from the defense. I don't think we can uh, sugarcoat that or want to sugarcoat that in any way. We are, you know, we're fans of the program, but we're also going to be critical where it's deserved. And um, I thought the defense had a really rough day uh, against Purdue. Jeff Brown's a very good offensive coach. They've got really good weapons, including Hopkins and Bell, who are uh, just a really good one-two punch. And 
uh, you know, that's they're going to make plays. I completely understand that. Uh, but I, I thought that um, Marcelino Ball struggled again and uh, thought he really had a, a poor day. The capping off what was not a great year for him by any stretch. And I thought the uh, the tackling against Xander Horvath was really bad, uh, really, really bad. And then you mentioned David Bell made a lot of plays. Uh, well, again, I agree with you. Taiwan Mullen played very well against him. So I don't I don't fault Taiwan Mullen for that or the secondary. I think David Bell is going to do that to people. He's every bit as good as advertised, possibly better than advertised. We knew he was going to be a really good player, and he is. I was more disappointed with just the lack of ability to make any adjustments against Bryson Hopkins, who very good tight end. I, I completely understand that. However, I don't think Indiana made any adjustments that, that made a difference against him. And that was disappointing to see. Uh, so, rough day for the defense. One that, uh, you know, I, I hope they can learn from. But they they got shredded pretty badly by Purdue's offense. Uh, thankfully, IU's offense was able to do uh, just as much and, and make, you know, one key play. Um, and we can talk about the standouts from offense here in a minute. But, um, you know, I'll start with Peyton Ramsey. Uh, we've said it before during the season, he has improved so much. I know he made mistakes with reads in the second half. Uh, I know he missed A-Rod Lloyd twice uh, for wide open kind of wheel route touchdowns that he just didn't look at him, just flat out missed the read. Uh, so there was nobody he over on that half, the half No, field. there was not. Yeah, and that's, you know, you can't can't do that, but uh, the toughness and leadership and just improvement in Peyton Ramsey's game, um, I don't think can be overstated how how much better he got over the off season and the course of this season uh, to help lead Indiana to eight wins. Um, he made a number of key scrambles for Indiana and, and a, just a few absolutely clutch plays that IU had to have, and Ramsey made them. Uh, I thought that he you know, deserves a lot of credit for that. And then Samson James was really the first extended time we've seen him before he was injured, and he looked phenomenal. Uh, just looks – you have to be excited for, for his future as a running back at Indiana because he looked really great. Yeah, and I wanted to circle back to the defense real quick, TJ. It was a, a boomer bust, you know, day for the yeah. defense. They got the, two ta- they got the two takeaways in the pick and the fumble – they also stopped Purdue three times on fourth down, uh, which is huge. So if you put those together, they had five sudden changes um, from off, from defense to offense. I, I it was it's to me this game pointed out what I use lacking on defense, and I don't think it necessarily was adjustments. It's, you don't have an athlete who could run with uh, Bryson Hopkins or is fast enough to cover him. You know, Michael McFadden has had a, a tremendous year. But he, he slipped and fell on, on the touchdown in overtime. Uh, they were down. There was one where they had ten players on the field, and Cam Jones is trying to cover two people down at, at the goal line, and Hopkins got it again, I, I think, in the second quarter um, or in the third quarter uh, with with um, 
Xander Horvath taking it in the next play. It's you know, like that play is unacceptable. You know, either Cam Jones, he was screaming towards the sideline, hey, 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 we only have 10. He needs to, you know, he needs to take a timeout. But they, it shows you what IU is lacking. They're they're lacking a pass rush uh, defensive lineman who's who's going to be a step or two faster than than IU was. And, and IU's got flagged I think two or three times for roughing the passer, and, and some of them were you know, a little touchy feely, uh, and some of them were were warranted. But you know, it just shows you what they're missing. I think the the, the big key this year in the defense not improving as much as, as we thought it would, was the play of Marcelino Ball. I mean, he was a straight liability on this defense, uh, and I don't know what's up with him. He, he's kind of seemed distant from the team. He, he's, you know, retweeted a whole bunch of stuff on Twitter uh, with, with media members calling him out and, and things like that, and he's had his bright spots. But – yeah, he was the first one out of the locker room while guys are in there celebrating. So I, I don't know what was going on there. I, I, you know, it might be a private issue. It could be something else. But I thought he was the key to the defense at, at Husky. He looked slow at times. Uh, he was out of place. And it just seemed like every time an opponent made a, a big play, it was Marcelino Ball on the other side. I, I – and then you go to the running game, and Xander Horvath is every bit of six three two forty. So I understand breaking some tackles, but the guy ran for two hundred yards for the season. And I said on our preview podcast with Matt Weaver that he can't let Purdue, who hasn't run who has run the ball for under a hundred yards per game all year, you can't let them have. Yeah the day that they had in 2017 where all of a sudden Markel Jones runs for 217 yards after running for like 208 for the, for the entire season. And that's what they did with Horvath, even though, I mean, he looked like Mike all Scott out there and it was, um, yeah, he, he had a really good day, but that's what happens in a rivalry game. But some bright spots on defense, Taiwan Mullen, thought Reese Taylor had an excellent game as well. He came up and made some big tackles. Uh, he had the big fourth down uh, pass pass breakup um, that if if uh, I think it was Wright had it if he makes that play, Purdue's kicking a field goal to win the game of regulation and and it wasn't a very far field goal and Dellinger is is a good kicker and that that was the the end that Logan Justice well Logan Justice uh, struggled with uh, with both sides of the field and we'll get to that as well but I thought. You began to see, you know, who's going to play on this defense. Now, IU has a lot of work to do on the recruiting trail. You have to get somebody who can rush the passer, somebody who could clock the middle. You need to get some more athletic linebackers out there. And, and honestly, you probably need somebody to come play Husky because Brian Fitzgerald, whatever happened to him last year, he – has been mostly invisible this year. So uh, maybe it's it's signaling coming in too late and things like that. And and it's, you just need to let these guys play defense, Uh, but something has to change. I don't, there are people who are calling for Womack's head. And I I don't think that is right. I don't think Womack's going anywhere. I think they just need to kind of simplify the, 
by the defense a little bit to where we're not looking to the to the sideline every time uh, Purdue adjusts and, and you know just go and let your athletes play because they are better athletes than they let on the entire year where they looked a step or two slow. Yeah, I, I think uh, a couple things that we could see happen for next year. I would not be surprised at all to see Kane Womack up in the booth um, signaling and or calling in plays. Uh, that would not surprise me at all if that happened. Yep. Um, and then have Tom Allen, you know, down on the field as kind of the um, guy that would be in your position coach is obviously doing the um, face-to-face talking on the field, if you will. Uh, that would not surprise me at all if that adjustment is made. Um, the second thing, I do think that we've seen enough from Taiwan Mullen, of course, and uh, I, I think his emergence is a not a future star, a present star on that Indiana defense. He is by far IU's best corner. It's not even remotely close. Uh, Indiana needs a second guy to step up. And I, I think Reese Taylor has shown flashes of that. Uh, if I were making a prediction now, which would be ridiculous, but if I were for that second starting corner next year, I think Reese Taylor would be that prediction. Um, and then the, as far as Husky goes, uh, you're right. They need an answer there for next season. Uh, I, I've been encouraged. I mentioned him. I've been encouraged by Jamar Johnson's play. Uh, I wonder if he could be a guy that you um, slot into that position uh, particularly against pass-heavy teams uh, that Indiana would play, Pop, you know, possibly not big enough to handle that position against run-heavy teams. But uh, you know, I think Jamar Johnson has earned increased playing time, and maybe that comes at, at Husky. But uh, you're right; that's a spot that Indiana can certainly sell uh, available playing time to. Yeah, and then going going to offense, TJ. You know, it it was going to be – I thought it was going to be a, a tough sledding game for Indiana. You were without Stevie Scott. You were without yep. um, Matthew Bedford. And you had Devondre Love uh, slide in there. And, and he got beat a couple times by George Karloftis. And, and you'd think with Bedford in there, it, it would have been a little bit better. Uh, but there was a time, I think, in the second, third quarter, uh Purdue just, I mean, they sent the house and, and just moved yeah. Indiana backwards, and and that just changed the game as well. Uh, but offensively, Samson James looks like the real deal, and, and that's the yep. running I kind of expected. And that's what I, I expected him to play a lot more this year. He played in all 12 games, but I thought that they would, you know, kind of give Stevie, cut his carries in half, uh, and, and let those two do the bulk of the work to try and keep each other healthy. Uh, now that hasn't happened, but um, you know, the rumor out of camp is that Samson James was right there with Stevie Scott for the starting running back position. And to, to me, he looks, he looks like a better running back than Stevie Scott, which is it's not a knock on Stevie. He, he came in, he, he's played well. They're just kind of a, Samson James is a four-star running back that Ohio State wanted for a reason, and he played very well. He could he could run people over. He's fast enough to run by people over, and he has all those technical skills that 
uh, Stevie still is uh, developing. Uh, but outside of that, I thought Peyton Ramsey, he played very, very well at times. And then there were times where he went back to last year's, you know, one-look reads. He he missed a couple guys in the third quarter down who were wide open uh, down the middle of the field uh, to, to throw the ball outside. Arod Lloyd in the fourth quarter was wide. Purdue didn't even cover him. And watching it from the radio booth, you're you're looking at at Don Fisher and Buck Sir going, there's there's nobody out there, and uh, you know that's something you got to see and 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 throw it out there. It wasn't like they were baiting him into throwing it there. It was there was literally not anybody lined up within 20 yards of Irod Lloyd um, on, on a street play, and then on a uh, a little swing pass. There's nobody, nobody covered him either. So those are the little things. But he, look, he's played really, really well this year, and and it's hard to just pick and choose spots. Um, and his run for for first down, I think it was third and twenty-one or something. Uh, that kind of yeah. looked like the John Elway helicopter run. You know that and the run against Maryland. That's what Peyton Ramsey is all about. He's going to get that extra six inches that that his team needs to win and will the guy's a gamer and you, you can say what you know I've, I've said it you know he doesn't have the arm strength that a lot of quarterbacks have uh but he has more heart than anybody else and his heart and his will to win uh carried IU to, to you know to eight wins this year and so big shout out to them the offensive line we talked about a little bit. Uh, we'll see what they do next year because uh, they lose. You lose Love, Stepniak, uh, Little John. Now you have uh, you, you might have Cronk coming back. You have Bedford coming back. Uh, you have Kreider coming back. Some some young guys who can fill in there, uh, and maybe a, a grad transfer. But uh, you know the offensive line. Yeah, and Caleb Jones, of course. But the offensive line at times looked uh, looked a little leaky. But the receiver thought the receivers played well. This is probably Nick Westbrook's best game of the year. Uh, Ty Freifogel kind of dropped that touchdown, although the defensive back uh, made a great play. And then Wap failure changes the game for Indiana. Uh, you know, Purdue yep. kind of lost him in in the shuffle on the one long touchdown pass. But he changes that entire offense. Uh, you have to account for him. And then I don't know what happened to Donovan Hale. I didn't find out he was out until, you know, listening to Don on the pregame show. Uh, but ESPN said he had surgery last week. We'll try and find out what that was about and, and things like that. But, you know, it, it was two banged-up teams going against each other, and they don't like each other. And uh, it, it just turned into a good game. Now, special teams, TJ, uh, I don't know what it looked yeah. like on TV. One, it yeah, one, pretty... one, quick, one quick note for me on the offensive line. Um, yep. Certainly some departures coming up. However, uh, you know, if you want to be an optimist, uh, which why not? I, mean, I use eight and four. Why not be optimistic? Um, if you want to, you can definitely paint the picture of a better offensive line next season you'd have Matthew Bedford returning with experience uh you know and this is 
a lot of ifs, but if Croy Khan comes back, slides inside the guard, if the grad transfer from Stanford, Dylan Powell joins up, uh, you know, you could be looking at an offensive line uh, that lines up as, you know, a, a really strong one, not just for Indiana, but, but in terms of where they stand in the Big Ten uh, with Bedford and Jones at your tackles, Powell either at guard or center, Cronk at guard, Kreider coming back, uh, some young guys like Michael Kadich and Aiden Rafferty that they're excited about, uh, Mackenzie Nora possibly returning as well. So it, it could be a, a really good group uh, if if those things happen. But uh, still, you know, I, I thought their performance on Saturday was um, honestly as, as shuffled up as it's been. Uh, I think you'd overall have to be pretty positive about their performance, particularly uh, when Samson James is in the game, their performance uh, as, a, as a line run blocking uh, for Samson James. I thought they were really good during that early stretch of the game when IU was establishing the run, uh, really moving the pile consistently. I thought that was uh, a pretty good performance by them early on. Uh, they struggled with pass protection some uh, as the game wore on, but Overall, I think you'd have to take a pretty positive uh, outlook from what they brought you, given the the restructuring they've had to do. Oh, definitely. And and this this team is this program's kind of a year ahead of schedule. Is you know preseason predictions. You know we we said that the the ceiling was probably eight wins if you win all your your matchup games, which they did. Uh, but that next yeah. year was the big year when when these you know, sophomores and juniors become juniors and seniors uh, and the experienced freshmen become redshirt sophomores and, and sophomores and you have a more veteran team and, and the future looks bright for, for IU and we'll see what they do uh, on signing day coming up here in a couple of weeks. But let's talk about yeah. special teams, TJ. It was not oh, a boy. great day um, for Logan Justice. It, I would love to blame it on the crosswind. I really would, uh, but after going back and watching the game, uh-huh. I don't think the wind was much of a factor. I think he just maybe it was a factor in his head, but he missed the two kicks on the open end of the stadium, which I believe is the the south end by a lot, and then he kind of overcompensated on the field goal on the north end. Uh, in the fourth quarter before they, they switched to Charles Campbell, who, holy cow, talk about the cojones on that kid. To come in and yeah. ice cold and nail two, not one, but two uh, field goals. Only one counted. But, you know, they took a delay of game. He had hit the first one, took a delay of game, moved it back to about a 41-yard field goal, and he nailed it. So he was rated as a five-star kicker for a reason. And – my biggest thing with Logan Justice was his body language after the missed kicks. It looked mm-hmm. like he he looked very dejected. He had looked like he had no confidence in himself. Uh, he wasn't cheering on Campbell. He, I think at one point, Gavin Everett came over to him, and he kind of shrugged him off as well. And I was actually kind of surprised that, Tom Allen put him back out there for the extra point. You know, the way he was acting on the sideline, I, I thought mentally he had been, you know, he he's shot kind of like the one year, 2016 when Griffin Oaks was up at Michigan State 
and you know, and, and was having a conniption fit up there after missing kicks. But it was a tough day to kick. The footing on the field is bad. Uh, the, the wind, you know, whether it played a factor physically or mentally, it played a factor. But if IU makes two or even all three of those field goals, we're not even talking about double overtime. Um, you know, it, no. it's uh, I, IU probably wins going away. You're up 24-10 at halftime. Uh, you're up by a couple touchdowns late in the second half. And those, I mean, those missed field goals, they were killer. And you got to maybe think going forward that, that Charles Campbell might have to be your guy as good as Logan Justice has been this year. Um, those are pressure kicks. And he uh, he just shanked them. And uh, we'll see. But it was good to see Hayden Whitehead bounce back. He, he had a good day. He just missed putting one out inside the one-yard line. It just crossed over the pylon. Uh, it was a phenomenal kick. And then uh, late in the fourth when IU, David Ellis had a great return. I thought maybe he had a chance of breaking it if the weather was, you know, the field was a little bit less wet. But uh, he set him up with good field position. IU couldn't take advantage of that. And uh, Hayden Whitehead pinned Purdue down inside the two, uh, you know, on Purdue's final drive. So outside of Logan Justice, you know, the – I, I use special teams played all right, but it, it's I, – I just – I don't know. You, you might have a kicking controversy in the bowl game. It's something that you have to figure out over these 15 practices. Uh, Campbell is redshirted already, so he, he's – you have no eligibility issues uh, there with using games, and, and it might be good to, to have him kick and, and get ready for next year. Uh, you know, he, he looks like he has a big leg, and he was rated five stars for a reason. So what what was your take on special teams? Yeah, I mean, you, you certainly touched on it there. Um, interesting decision uh, to, to bring on Campbell. I think it was the right one. Uh, I feel like it's one you, you had to make. You could not uh, take a chance that, you know, with Campbell, you didn't know what was going to happen. It, it did not feel like there was any chance Logan Justice was going to make a kick if you sent it back out there uh, for another field goal. So um, credit to Campbell for coming out there and making not one but two. Um, you know, it, it didn't end up costing IU the game, which is the best we can say about the field goals that day. Uh, that would have been certainly – uh, something you would look back on with great regret if, you know, field goals had cost any end of the bucket. But uh, it's not the case. They got the win. And like you said, I, I do think it is uh, certainly something that's going to be worth watching is over the next few weeks of practice how Indiana prepares for the bowl game and, and who they go out with uh, the kicker and how that kicker responds to uh, whatever the decision is. And, and the only way we'll the only response that really matters, honestly, is do you make the kicks or not when you're in the game. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. I think it will be interesting to watch, and um, I think it will be a point that the coaches are going to be looking at for sure. Yeah, it's just it's just something you can't have, and and you know it's been the no. kind of year where maybe in years past IU coughs up that game because of those three missed field goals. It's, that's nine sure. points left on the field at least. Uh, we discussed about Indiana going, 
going for it on that the, the third one he missed. It was fourth and two, uh, maybe fourth yep. and a long two. I asked Allen about it after the game. He said he just didn't like the setup, uh, that even though Logan had missed the first two, he had faith in him to go kick the third one. And then obviously he pulled him after that. So I would have liked to see him go for it. Uh, but hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, if you don't get it, yeah. you don't get it, and it's the same as a missed field goal. Yeah. But if you, if and, you and get I it there, just, I just lost Samson James to injury um, a little yeah. bit before that. So I, you know, it was the running game had certainly tailed off without Samson. So you know, maybe you didn't feel good about any of your short yardage plays without him in there. I think that probably factored into it as well. But um, yeah, I, you know, I. I texted in, in live time. You guys uh, wanted to go for it. Uh, I texted in live time that I I didn't know. That's a tough call. That was one of those that I didn't think there was an obvious choice on that. So that was a tough one. No, like either way. Hindsight, hindsight's twenty twenty on that yeah. one. But uh, when you miss the field goal, it certainly doesn't look like a great decision, regardless of, you know, if you do hit the field goal, it feels a little bit better. But. That's one you'd expect to hit for sure. That was not a difficult kick. Yeah, and it was, you know, there was no wrong answer other than that they didn't execute. If you kick a field goal, you go up by 14 points. Uh, If you go for it and and end up scoring a touchdown, uh, you go up 18. If you go for it, make it end up kicking field goal, you're up two touchdowns, and you take off more time on the clock. So, you know, it, it, you're fine with any of the choices. They just needed to execute, and Logan Justice didn't. Uh, moving on, TJ, Indiana's 8-4. and four. Bowl selection Sunday is next week. Where do you see the Hoosiers landing? Well, um, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I – you know, talk to bowl executives or uh, anything like that. But uh, the chatter that has been passed on um, is the most likely possibility is the Music City Bowl uh, in Nashville. That uh, appears to be IU officials will be thrilled with it. Uh, The Music City Bowl officials apparently would be very enthusiastic about that as well. I don't know what matchup they have in mind, but one that I'd love to see would be Kentucky. Uh, Have Indiana and Kentucky battling in Nashville, Tennessee, and the Music City Bowl, I think, would be a really, really cool uh, and fitting end to this season. Um, And I think it'd be a game that really did matter to both teams, especially Indiana. Um, Any bowl game IU goes to is going to be very important for this program. It's not going to be one that you're going to question their motivation there. Uh, but I, I think that's I put that as the most likely. Uh, the second one that I would put uh, would be the the Gator Bowl, um, and I, I still am not 100% sure how the contract between Indiana or the Big Ten, I should say, the Music City Bowl and the Gator Bowl works out. But apparently, it's the last year of the deal, and it doesn't really matter. So they'll figure out what works best for all parties, and if everybody can be agreeable on it, that's what they'll do, um, which makes sense. The bowl games are about making money, and however you can maximize your profit, go for it. Um, I think the third option that I honestly don't really see as realistic, but uh, it's still out there, 
uh, is the Outback Bowl. Um, I think quite a few things would have to happen for that to fall to Indiana. Um, I think that there's a couple other teams in line ahead of the Hoosiers. I think Minnesota ends up going to the Outback Bowl. Uh, It's a bowl that they have not been to for a while. And uh, I I think that that probably ends up falling to them at 10 and two. You know, I I don't think that they get into one of those New Year's six bowls. I do think it's very possible the big 10 gets a third team into the New Year's six, depending on, you know, how a few other things shake out. And if that's the case, then you've got, uh, you know, I just see Minnesota behind Wisconsin now in the pecking order. So I think they're fourth. Uh, you know, you can say they should be ahead of Penn State. That's fair, but I don't think that they will be. I think the, the selection committee will have Penn State ranked higher than the Gophers, which means the Gophers are going to be fourth in the pecking order in the Outback Bowl. We'll be getting a new team. Um, so I think they end up there. But uh, that's one that's there. I'd be very surprised if it's anything other than uh, the Music City or the Gator Bowl. Uh, yeah, I've seen them all over the place, including still the Red Box Bowl, um, Pinch Red Bowl, happening. and all those things. I I, I, I've I don't heard that, I don't think Indiana's going out west. I just don't. Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I think they want to avoid that, especially you know with the eight win Indiana team and and these you know either the the Music City or or these Florida Bowls not having. And Indiana's never played a bowl game in Florida. So, you know, these, these games want – and Florida has a huge um, yep. a huge alumni base down there, uh, and it, it would be pretty easy travel for a lot of um, a lot of people to show up. So, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be wait and yep. see. Hopefully yep. uh, the bowl show isn't as tedious – as it has been in the past where it takes them 18 million hours to get through it on an NFL Sunday. Um, and it just happens that IU is always announced like second to last. Um, and, and it's just a, a brutal, you know, brutal show. Uh, so hopefully it goes, goes quicker, quicker this year. I believe it's on ESPN or ESPN two. We'll have, we'll have it covered for, for everybody out there, but what a season this was, PJ. Eight and four, five and four in the Big Ten. The, a lot of, you know, two shutout wins, a huge win over Northwestern, uh, the nail biter at, at Nebraska, uh, mm-hmm. a bucket win. What What are your final thoughts on the regular season? It's one that I, I will not forget, um, and I, I I say that as somebody with three kids that forgets basically everything. Um, I'm not going to forget this. It's been an absolute blast uh, to cover this particular team in this particular season. Uh, we're not done yet. You know, we've still got a, a whole lot of stuff that we've got in, in mind for, for bowl, uh, for the bowl preparations. And, um, you know, I know that Indiana is going to go to whatever bowl game they go to with full intention of winning it uh, and matching the school record of wins for the season and fulfilling that nine-win prophecy uh, for nine win Indiana on the, uh, that we, you know, I think was initially kind of mockingly made, uh, if you will, that, 
that slogan or that suggestion by most was kind of a, oh, yeah, like, you know, okay, when hell freezes over. Um, well, you know, it uh, it very well could come true, and I think Indiana is going, going to go to whatever bowl game with full intention of making that happen. Uh, we entered the season just having a baseline expectation of six wins. You know, get to a bowl game and keep building the program momentum. That was that was my hope for the season, to be 100% honest. Uh, I thought that Indiana could. I thought they were talented enough to do so. Uh, but I wasn't sure about it by any means. And um, for IU to, to get to eight wins and have a shot at a, a really nice bowl game and hopefully get that win and get to nine, uh, that's really cool, really exciting, and I'm I'm just really excited to continue to cover the future of this program because I think it is very bright. Yeah, you know this this season to me it was, you know, people will discount who IU played with in the non-conference, and that's you know that that's their prerogative. Uh, to me, this 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 is what happens when you schedule smartly. And you win your matchup games. It is eight wins, and they cruise through. Uh, for the most part, they cruise through the non-conference schedule. Uh, they cruise through Rutgers, which we said the floor was four. Um, you win a matchup game that at at Maryland. You win the matchup game at Nebraska, which I it might even be at the beginning of the season that I, you had that as, as probably a loss. Maybe you could beat them. Uh, then you come home, you destroy Northwestern in another matchup game. And we'll see Northwestern's not a two and 10 team. Uh, they're, they're not, or a, whatever, three and nine team, whatever they finish the season at a one win, big 10 team. They're not, they're much better than that. Uh, they had, they just fired their offensive coordinator. I don't think they used their talent to to the max of its ability. They were on their fourth string quarterback, and you know I think Pat Fitzgerald is much too good of a coach. That's not a three win or two win um, Northwestern program, at least not for the near future. It's a team that went to the Big Ten title game last year, uh, and then you know you got the results you probably expected against the Big Four. Now, do you want the Michigan State and the Penn State game back? Sure. Uh, yeah, those were games that IU had a shot had a shot to to win. They didn't. Uh, but you know, they they this is what happens when you schedule smartly and win the matchup games. You can afford to. You're going to lose those games most likely. You haven't beaten Ohio State or Michigan since the '80s. You've beaten. Penn State once. We'll see what Michigan State does, and it kind of stinks that Michigan State fell off the earth after the IU win, their win over IU. But it's you know that's a tough road game. Penn State was a tough road game, and we're at the point of this program where yeah, people are allowed to be mad that they lost those games that they could have won, Um, and that that's a good thing. It's they're over the moral victories, and there there are no moral victories this year. You have eight real victories to talk about, and uh, you know with a chance to go for nine. I thought it was a a season where Indiana dealt with injuries. The two guys you thought that could get hurt got hurt, in Coy Cronk and Michael Penix. 
Uh, you lost Juan Harris, who I think changes this. I think he changes this defense uh, a, a little bit. Um, he leaves the program mid-year. Uh, you know, it, it, Thomas Allen goes down against Nebraska for the year. He, he played a lot. He Wap gave you a lot of reps at linebacker. Wap Fillier misses games. Uh, Stevie Scott missed the bucket game. Um, you know, there were a lot of injuries that that uh, you know Cam Jones misses time. You had. Um, Monster Matthews had had a club on his hand for the Penn State game. He just had a lot of things that in a nor, uh, that in the past would have held IU back. Um, maybe they did, but look, they went they went eight and four without Koi Kronk, who was arguably their best player coming into the season. Michael Penix played in six games, I believe, uh, or seven games, and, and only finished like two of them. And Wob Fillier missed missed a, a time with a concussion, and it, it totally changes changes the offense. So if you look on that, it was a great Indiana season, and it was a lot of fun. And I think people are starting to realize that. And yep. you see less and less of these. Oh, Tom Allen's just a high school coach. I, I believe those people now are worried that he's leaving for Florida State, uh, but maybe it's different <laughs> people. But yeah. Uh, to that point, it's you know you're starting to change the culture of the fan base, and to me, the, the there are twenty five to thirty thousand diehard IU football fans that show up every single week. Uh, now it's time to get those students. You, 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 that freshman class that came in this year, you just had an eight win season to to get to a bowl game. Now IU's you got to win that bowl game and follow it up next year and start creating a culture to where students go to games, students appreciate college football, and guess what? They come back as alumni and, and buy seats on the other side of the stadium. So awesome season from Indiana. Are there missed opportunities? Sure. But when it comes down to it, it, it was a, a fun year. you, you got to win at Nebraska. you got eight wins. You had a thriller in the bucket game. It's just a – a tremendous year for IU. It's and we'll see what happens to Tom Allen's contract. If they extend him, if they give him a, a raise, if they give him a raise, he he well deserves it. I, I think he has three or four more years left on his contract. Uh, so you know, an extension is not necessarily the big thing, but you know, pay him, pay your assistant coaches, and, and go out and recruit and develop. And, and these fifteen bowl practices are going to go a long way to help this this young team forward. But anyway, TJ, uh, with that, that does it for our show. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, any final words? No, no, absolutely not. It's uh, looking forward to seeing where the bowl destination is, and then we'll start uh, analyzing that. So thanks, everybody, and um, hope you have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. All right, that does it for the Hoosier Huddle podcast, the final one of the regular season. Uh, We'll be back next week to talk about Indiana's bowl matchup. Bowl selection Sunday starts at noon on ESPN and ESPN2. Uh, On Sunday, on December 8th, after the championship games, we're excited to see where uh, we'll be going to to watch IU play in the postseason. Uh, We want to thank everybody who's joined us uh, from – 
uh, on the podcast this year, uh, listening as guests. It's been a tremendous year, and we we want to thank our readers, the fans. It's been awesome to go through this season with you guys, and and hopefully you're with us down the road in the future as well. So thank you guys. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. You can find us on the internet as well at HoosierHuddle.com and Armchair Sports is our podcast outlet. Thank you to them uh, for setting us up with a good deal. You can get us on iTunes as well. So thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. And we'll be back next Monday to talk postseason destination. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.